Hey everybody, welcome back to the On It's Off podcast. What a crazy last week in the NBA it's been. Uh, we last spoke on, was it month, Tuesday? I think it was Tuesday, right before uh, the in-season tournament took off. And we're back again now on Thursday. Uh, Thursdays are going to be the new normal days. Uh, I know you're expecting it to be Monday, but with my new work schedule, um, it's going to be Thursdays now. And man, so much has happened just in the last like two, three days. I thought most of this podcast was going to be about the in-season tournament. But with all the stuff that's happened lately with Draymond Green, all these injuries, Giannis just had 64 points. There's just so much to talk about. Uh, yeah, we last talked on December 6th, which was actually Wednesday. But regardless, here we are on Thursday, uh, December 14th. And let's get going. So I guess the biggest news, actually, let's talk about the NBA Cup first. Um, so the NBA Cup, because I don't want to get too far away from that. So the Lakers won first ever NBA Cup. Uh, that was really cool to see as a fan uh, of the Lakers. And also it was just a good game. Uh, every Pacers game is a good game, to be honest. Uh, it was pretty close throughout. Lakers kind of went on a run at the end there to really seal the deal. Anthony Davis was awesome. LeBron won the MVP because it was for the whole tournament and not that final game. So I understand. Um, Lakers really put Halliburton on lock, right? They kept trapping him in the pick and rolls, right? Because he loves doing the pick and rolls. So they kind of forced him to play iso ball. In order to really get to his spots. And he kind of did that more in the second half. Uh, I think he scored 12 of his 20 in the second half. But yeah, Lakers, you know, they really put the clamps on him in a way that the Celtics and Bucks really couldn't earlier in the tournament. Um, forced him into three turnovers after he had zero against the Celtics and Bucks as well. So great defense from the Lakers, great game. They only made two threes and they still won because I think they had 86 points in the paint. Like that's outrageous. Uh, the Pacers defense is just awful. Um, they're a very fun team to watch, and their offense is, you know, lights out, especially when they're hitting their threes, which they were not that night. But, like, you just gotta be better, better than that. I mean, I know you have Miles Turner, but, like, he can't, he can't do it all by himself. You know, Anthony Davis was just bitching him. Um, Miles Turner's not, not a defender like that. He's a really good, like, rim protector, shot blocker, but, you know, if you're just allowing a layup line over and over and over again, like, he's just not going to block all of those. He, he can't. He can only do so much. He's not, you know, like AD or Rudy Gobert. Like, he's not on that level. His block numbers might say so, but he's not. He's not Jaron Jackson either. He just doesn't. He doesn't have that kind of impact. But he's a very good player. Don't get me wrong. Big fan of him. Um, Pacers are good, though. Uh, they just lost to the Bucks last night. May as well just talk about this game, too. And Giannis had 64 points. Uh, I think he only had like 45 by the time the game was really over. I mean, he was just cooking. He had 32 free throws. Um, towards the end, like the last five minutes, he was just like, oh, I'm just going to keep playing, see if I can beat, you know, Michael Red's record. And, oh, boy, did he beat it. Michael Red had the Bucks record for most points in the game with 57. And I think Giannis, Brandon Jennings, and Kareem all had 55, tied for second. And Giannis just said, fuck that. I'm going to set a new record. Uh, and he got to 64 points. Uh, I think it was the most points by a player to make uh, like as few field goals as he did or something like that, like as few or as most points without a three-pointer. I think that's what it is. It's in the three-point era because um, he didn't make any threes, um, but he still had 64 points, which is crazy. Uh, then there was this whole situation with the game ball where Giannis ran to the Pacers locker room because he wanted the game ball and supposedly the Pacers took it, but actually it was a Buck security guard who took it. And then Tyrese Halliburton and Miles Turner tweeted saying, we didn't take the ball. That was the Bucks guys. So it was a whole shebang all because some Pacers player, rookie, I forgot his name, he scored his first career point, he made one free throw, um, that was the reasoning, although the Pacers didn't take the ball, so I don't understand what really happened there, why did the Pacers, why did Rick Carlisle say that if they never took the ball, it was obviously a buck security guard, you could see the video of it, um, and the players said that too, so it was a very confusing situation, um, 
I don't know what to think of it because I'm still not, I don't know, I'm still not sure exactly what happened there. Um, I don't know if it was like the Pacers were being petty. If Did the Bucks take it and give it to the Pacers? Did the security guard want to give the ball to Giannis later? Did the ball get stolen from him by the I don't know what happened there. The situation with the ball was just weird. It was a weird thing. Um, the Bucks defense is still a concern. Uh, I don't know they just blew out the Pacers, but their defense is not good. That's, that's still an issue. I'll have to figure out. Um, but their offense is, you know, great. They're just kind of like a more advanced version of the Pacers, right? They're not, they're not, offense isn't quite on that level, but their defense is better than the Pacers. And you do have, you know, Giannis and Middleton and Lillard, Lopez, like they just have more talent on the team than Indiana. Um, but they're going to have to get that defense in shape if they want to be a real contender because you can't, you can't be this poor on defense and be a contender, but still 64 points. That's just incredible. Um, I wouldn't say this is the honest best game ever um i definitely wouldn't i mean that 50 point finals game was much better um i wouldn't say it's his best regular season game ever because again like a third of those points he had first of all it was a lot of free throws and uh, a third of those were like garbage time it doesn't make it a bad game it doesn't take anything away from it necessarily but like when we when we go back and think what is Giannis's best regular season game like i hope people don't think of this i mean we'll see if he has better you know other games in the future maybe he'll have a new career high later on but just, just someone's career high isn't necessarily their best game just a uh, food for thought, but yeah, fun fun stuff over there. Um, we also got to see Wemby versus AD last night as well, uh, and Wemby had an awesome game. I think he had thirty points and thirteen rebounds. Um, you know, he he definitely uh, made AD have to play more and work harder than AD probably thought he had to going in, um, especially because early on, right, Wemby was struggling, AD was cooking, Lakers were rolling, and then in the fourth quarter, the Lakers ran that garbage. Uh, D'Lo, Reeves, Prince, Wood, AD lineup. That lineup is terrible. Um, those first four I mentioned, D'Lo, Reeves, Prince, Wood, like, never play those four together. You got the two worst defensive guards on the team. Uh, you got Torian Prince, who's, you know, a meh defender, and then Christian Wood. Like, you, that's just not a good lineup to run. If you're going to play Wood at the four with AD, that's fine. But LeBron has to be in there. I know LeBron didn't play, so don't do that. LeBron has to be in there. And probably also Cam Reddish or Vando, something like that. You can't, it can't be D'Lo, Reeves, and Wood. Like, it's really just D'Lo, Reeves, and Wood, that threesome. That threesome can never share the floor, right? Like, just ne- never play those three together. If you want to play Wood and Reeves, you got to play, like, Reeves, Wood, AD, LeBron, and then Cam, something like that. Or Ruby, whatever. Probably Cam. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, Reeves and D'Lo in general, like, it's shown that it's hard for them to play together because it just makes us really small and um, hard to rebound, hard to defend. Uh, and Wemby also made some ridiculous threes down the stretch, so uh, I'm not worried about it. You know, a win is a win, especially without LeBron. Uh, Lakers are 15 and 10, 16 and 10 with the tournament final game, so I think they're they're in a pretty good spot. You know, finally getting healthy after missing so many players throughout the November. Um, so I'm not super worried about them. I think they're like the fifth seed right now, but the West is so bunched up. The two through ten is like separated by like two games, something like that, two or three games, so it's very close. Um, but yeah, I do, I do think, uh, I haven't talked about the Lakers in a bit, so I want to talk about a little bit, talk about them a little bit today. Um, LeBron and AD are both playing really well. I think AD's up to almost, or just over 20, about 25 points per game, including the tournament final game. So, you know, good stuff from them. Their defense is, I think, sixth in the league. I should probably just have the actual numbers. Let me, let me find where their defense ranks. The problem is this stuff isn't going to include the tournament final game. For some reason, they make that not count. It should count for the winner. If you win, if you make the final game, right, first of all, the stats should just count for everybody. Just give those, give them those stats. And for the team record aspect, the winner should get a win added to their record, and the loser should just get no, no, pen, no penalization. 
Um, that's how it should be. Because that way, right, let's say, because the Lakers won, right? Let's say the Lakers end up being a 45-win team, just for example. I think they'll be better than that, but whatever, 45 wins um, without that tournament game. And let's say there's three other teams that are 45 wins. If you have that extra win, instead of being 45 and 37, you're 46 and 37, it gives you that tiebreaker boost. So you're ahead of those 45 win teams, but still behind the 46 win teams because they're 46 and 36. So I think that makes sense. That's what you should do. It should not be an automatic playoff berth. Just give them the win. If you win the final game, get an extra win on their books. Because otherwise you're playing an extra game for, you know, I guess for the banner, the trophy, the celebration. It's not that that's nothing, right? And as time goes on, it'll develop more meaning. Because, like, you know, the NBA championship has the same amount of meaning in theory as this. It's harder and, you know, it has, like, decades of history, which is what makes it worthwhile. But, like, the first year, like, it, well, I mean, what did it mean? It was just like, okay, you won the championship, so what? You know, you, you have to give things meaning. That's how they become meaningful. And that's how this NBA Cup will be as well. So I, I do think you should add that win aspect, though. So let's look at the Lakers. I want to look at them. Um, their defense is up to uh they're like a tick behind sixth uh actually they're pretty they're almost a tick behind fifth as well uh seventh are all really close together within a half point and then their offensive rating is still pretty bad i think um 21st so it's not horrible but it's not good uh below average uh net rating is what 15th in the league 16th plus 1.1 uh again this is all without the pacers game i think with that these stats would be a little bit better especially the offensive rating but regardless um, so through 25 games, I say the Lakers are about where I expected them, especially considering the injuries, you know, being 15 and 10, 16 and 10, uh, decent stuff there. Um, don't really have too many concerns yet. I'm sure they'll make some trades. Uh, there's a lot of rumors about Zach Levine. Uh, please no. Uh, I, I don't, I don't really see it. It's mostly just because the contract is too big. Cause again, if there was a way it could just be like D'Lo for Levine. Sure. That's, that's an obvious upgrade. Um, but it's like, it'd have to be D'Lo and Rui for Levine. That works, but like, uh, I mean, I guess it might be an upgrade, but he has injury issues. I do really like Rui, but Darvin Ham doesn't even want to play Rui that much. He doesn't get to play that much. So, you know, I'm open to the idea, but then what, you're obviously going to start Levine. So what, you'd start Levine, Reddish, LeBron, uh, Prince AD, something like that. I don't know. Food for thought. Uh, it's not going to happen before February anyway, if it does happen, but I'd, I'd rather not. If we get Caruso with it, it's more interesting, but then you have to add more players. Because um, then it can't, just, it can't just be D'Lo Rui for Levine and Caruso. It has to be D'Lo Rui, Gabe. I think those three together add up to about $40 million, And then Levine and Caruso is about $50 million. So I think you still need one more. Con so maybe Jalen Hutchifino. I think it has to be like Jalen Hutchifino. Gabe Vincent, D'Lo, and Rui for Levine and Caruso. Um, and then I guess the Bulls can, like, wave someone or trade someone else to a third team, something like that. It's it's kind of hard to make it work. Um, and that's assuming the Bulls are like, yeah, sure, we'll just do that. I don't know. I, n I'm not a really a big fan of this idea. Uh, let's move on. Um, the Pistons, Wizards, and Spurs. Ah, no, let's do Draymond. Let's do Draymond next. So Draymond Green, uh, he choked Rudy Gobert earlier in this year. And during that uh, kerfuffle, I guess you could call it, there was a kerfuffle in the Warriors Timberwolves game back in like early November. Uh, if you guys don't remember, like Clay Thompson, Jaden McDaniels got into it, and then they both got ejected. And then Draymond Green grabbed Rudy Gobert because Rudy Gobert grabbed Clay Thompson, and then Draymond Green got ejected and suspended for five games. Uh, the Warriors are terrible in those five games. They, he comes back. I mean, they've been, they've been terrible most of the year. They started off like six and two, and they're like four and eleven since. Uh, and they play the Clippers tonight. Paul George is questionable. Honestly, I don't. Regardless of if he plays, the Clippers are probably winning that game. The Clippers are rolling ever since they moved westward to the bench. We'll talk about them a little bit later too. 
But so Draymond Green gets suspended. He comes back. He's played five or six games since. And then he just punched Yusuf Nurkic in the face. If you watch the video, he basically, he's uh, standing near the baseline or near the sideline. Uh, he's facing, uh, like, away from the basket. Nurkic is, like, kind of guarding him, like, post-up situation, sort of. And uh, Draymond is grabbing Nurkic from behind. And Nurkic is grabbing Draymond. And Draymond just spins around and, like, whams Yusuf Nurkic right in the face. Um, he could have gotten seriously injured. He could have broken, like, his eye socket, his nose, you know. So who knows what could have happened there. That's something that you go to jail for in real life, right? If someone, like, assaults you like that, like, that's straight-up assault. And, you know, that became a filigrant two, I think. And then he got ejected. And then... Oh, sorry, I'm a little bit... Uh, when I was a little congested. So then he gets ejected. And then the NBA announces yesterday, the day after the game, that he is suspended indefinitely until he completes, like, a series of, like, counseling or blah, 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 blah. He has all these requirements. It's kind of like with John Morant when he had, like, those requirements to return to play. Um, so who knows how long he'll actually be suspended for. I hate when it's so vague because I don't know if that means he'll be back, like, in five games, if he'll be back in 20 games. Um, I'm sure it'll be somewhere in that range. Uh, I'd be surprised if it was less than five or more than 20. But it should be at least 10. Let's be honest. He should not be back uh, the rest of this month, December. He's just He should not. It should be honestly. It should be more. It should be like twenty games. Spend him for like twenty games, and then if a, th- a third incident happens, like within the next, like either the rest of this season or next season, like you gotta do like a full year. Like he's got because he, he has to stop doing this. Like this is ridiculous. These are not basketball moves. Like he's not. This is not what good teammates do. You know, Draymond Green. Like his skills have been diminishing for a few years now, and then he gets lucky that he gets his four for one hundred deal from the Warriors because they still need him, right? They're like a mediocre team and they need him for his defense and, you know, his playmaking, all that stuff. But if he's going to be doing all this bullshit, getting suspended all the time, you know, costing his team points in those games, right, with these flagrants, like, then what's the point of having you on the team? Especially because this is like the best he's been offensively in like a few years, right? He's making threes, he's finishing at the rim, um, like his scoring is up, all that stuff. He's been like really good this year. Uh, he he would have probably you know been an all star all star consideration if the Warriors were a little bit better and if he wasn't you know getting suspended all the time because of this there's no chance he's not making the all star team. Um, if he misses nine games in the suspension, then he's already going to be ineligible for all defense as well. So he'll be at sixty four games max. So you can kiss that goodbye because what what are the odds that he comes back in less than nine games and then never misses another game the rest of the year really? So I think I think that's probably cooked for him. Uh, his reputation is terrible at this point. Like, he went from, you know, this obvious Hall of Famer, champion, Depoy-type player, which, I mean, those things are still true. But now I think when he retires, right, because this is way more recent, people are going to think, oh, he's that super dirty-ass player, which, I mean, he always was. But, like, it's even worse now. It's getting worse and worse as the years go on. So I really do think when he retires, like, people are going to be like, oh, Draymond, you know, he was like that Bill Lambeer, right? Because that's kind of what people think about for Bill Lambeer. Even though Bill Lambeer was, I think, was like a two- or three-time All-Star, like... It was a really good player. It wasn't just like he was some, you know, buffoon who just went and hit people. He did do that, but he was like a legitimate, like, talented center. Um, and Draymond, just like how T- Draymond Green is a talented player. He's not just like, oh, I'm going to just smack people. But now he's just smacking people. So he's got to stop doing that. It's fucking ridiculous. Um, it's embarrassing, to be honest. I can't believe the Warriors have never punished him for it. They still haven't said anything, the Warriors. They're just kind of ignoring it. Um, so that's crazy. They played tonight, again, like I said, against the Clippers. Oh, man. Uh, the Warriors in general are just a mess. Like, their bench is way better than their starters. Like, with Chris Paul, without Chris Paul, their starters are just ass. Because Kevon Looney can't score. 
Clay Thompson looks washed. He can't make shots. And Wiggins has been awful this year as well. So it's like, yeah, Draymond has been like a resurgence offensively, but that's still Draymond. So like from a scoring perspective, that's not great. The only player on, who can score on the starting lineup is Steph. And the defense hasn't been good either. Uh, if you look at their overall like ratings, right, on defensive rating, they are 16th, which is mediocre. And offensively, oops, offensively, they are 16th, which is mediocre. Their net rating is plus 0.3, which is 18th. Like, it's just not good. And that's mostly, again, mostly carried by the bench because, again, on offense, they can't score. Right off the bench, they got Chris Paul setting people up. Again, Chris Paul hasn't been great either, but at least he's doing that. Pods, right, the rookie, I think is, his, I think his name is pronounced Pajemski. Yeah, I think it's Pajemski, which kind of threw me off. He's awesome. I uh, wish the Lakers drafted him. Uh, he's been a great revelation for them. Kaminga, you know, he's, you know, still kind of on and off, but, you know, the athleticism is there, the energy is there. He gives you something. Wiggins hasn't been doing anything. Uh, and then Moses Moody is good. I like him as well. And Sarge, you know, at least he spaces the floor. Defensively, he's terrible, but he does space the floor. Um, Corey Joseph plays probably too much. I think he's kind of worthless, but, you know, he's there. Yeah, I don't know. I think their bench is just much better than their starters. Uh, you put Steph with, like, I think the best way for the Warriors to go, like, during this non-Draymond stretch, is you start, you just completely change up the starting lineup, right? Again, you just have to, you can't just put Paul in for Draymond or coming in for Draymond and call it a day. Like, no. Um, I still think you start Looney just because Sarge's defense is so ass. Um, you start Curry, obviously, you start Looney. And then I would start Podge, Podjemski. Fuck, I can't speak. I would go Curry, Podjemski, Moody, uh, Kaminga, Looney. I would start those five. And off the bench, I would have uh, Chris Paul, Clay Thompson, Wiggins. Because maybe playing with Chris Paul would help Wiggins and Clay more than playing with Steph. So put Chris Paul, Clay Thompson, Wiggins, um, Trace Jackson Davis. I, th- I like him as well. Another rookie. And Sarge. Uh, I think that, those are better five man units. Obviously, you're not going to play Platoon, right? This isn't NBA 2K. But I just think that should be like the 10 guys you are playing, really. Um, I wouldn't play Corey Joseph, really. Um, and obviously Draymond is out. I think that's what they should do. They won't. They're going to keep doing that same starting bullshit. They'll put either Kaminga in the starting lineup for Draymond or Chris Paul for Draymond or maybe Moody for Draymond. They're going to do one of those three guys. Uh, I'd be shocked if anything else happened. It's just, it's tough because Steph is still really good and right, like the rest of his team is just not really doing anything. So it's kind of nice to see Steph honestly on the other side of that because after Steph has had, you know, so much more help than anybody else for like a decade, now it's like, you know, in 2021 and then 2023 and 2024, it's like, oh no, like Steph's teammates aren't stepping up to help him out. And everyone's like, oh no, like now we get to see what it's like to be, you know, most superstars in history. Like no one's going to have help like, great help their entire careers, right? Except for, like, Magic and Tim Duncan, like, Larry Bird. It, just, it happens, but it's kind of rare. So, now Steph gets to see the other side of that. So, have fun with that, Warriors. Have fun. Uh, I don't feel sorry for y'all at all. I hope you lose every game. But, yeah, it's a tough spot for them. You're not, you're not going to see me crying. No crocodile tears. Uh, another team that's been, you know, kind of in the limelight this week has been the Pelicans. Um, they got destroyed by the Lakers in that playing game. I mean, destroyed. I think they lost by 44 points. Um, where are the Pelicans? I'm trying to find their page. New Orleans, where are you? But yeah, they got destroyed by the Lakers. Here they are. Um, and Zion Williamson has been kind of up and down this season. He started off pretty slow. They're, let's see, they are 14-11. They're ninth in the West. But again, it's all very close. That doesn't really mean anything. They're 14-11. Uh, and Zion, after having a really slow start, has been turning it on as of late. He really cooked Rudy Gobert the other night. Uh, he had 36 points. 
Ooh. But the discourse around him, I think, has been really awful because the fact that Zion hasn't been like what we expected from him in the past couple years, right? In his first few years, right, he was like 60 plus percent from the field, um, 25 to 30 points a game, you know, dynamite athletically. On and this year he just hasn't been that right. This year he started off kind of slow. If you look at his first, uh, yes, first nine games, uh, the stats will load eventually. He was averaging about 20 points per game, maybe 21, shooting like 50% from the field, which for Zion, which is like you know, those are not bad numbers, but like for Zion, like we expect more than that, like that's just not great. But that's what he was averaging approximately. Basketball reference refuses to load this for me. Uh, I hate when that happens. They're just so slow. It was averaging about that. And then he had a nice stretch of one, two, three, four, five, six games um, where he was averaging like about 30 points per game, close to 30, maybe 26, 27. Um, and then since then, right, he's played one, two, three, four, five games, and he's had three games with 13 or fewer points, and then a 27 point game, and then this last game, the 36 points versus Minnesota. Uh, he sat out yesterday in a game against Washington that they dominated in. Um, here we go. So those first nine games, he was averaging 21 points on 52% from the field, which is not good for Zion standards. Um, it's not bad, but it's not good. And then after that, in the following six games, he was averaging 28 points on 64% from the field, which is like much better, right? That's what we expect from Zion. Extremely high efficiency, high scoring. But then since then, right, in these last five games, he's averaging 19 points per game on 67% from the field. Again, because of a 12-point game and a win against the Kings, a 10-point game and another one against the Kings. They just own the Kings. And then the 13-point game and a 44-point loss to the Lakers. Um, so it's been up and down for him. Uh, Ingram, I think, has been really good this year. Uh, it's been arguably the best year of his career when you look at his stats. Brendan Ingram on the year, averaging 23.6 points per game, which I think is either a career high or borderline a career high. 50% from the field. And this is he's only shooting 29% from deep. So that's going to go back up to his normal levels. And he's going to be averaging like close to 26, 27 a game. Five rebounds, five assists. Again, his free throws are down too. So his efficiency is down despite his points being up. I think when the efficiency gets back up to his normal levels from like last year, the year before, uh, he's going to be really cooking. Um, he probably should be an all-star consideration. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes for Ingram. But I think the Pelicans have been pretty good. Uh, CJ also has looked a lot better than I expected coming into the year. I thought he was pretty washed. Herb Jones offensively looks much better. He's shooting 34% from deep. That's good to see. Trey Murphy's back. He's been great for them. Uh, they really missed him. The rookie Jordan Hawkins is a good shooter for them as well. Um, so they got they got something cooking. Are they a contender? No. Is their ceiling higher than like the second round? No. But they're a good team. Especially if, you know, Ingram is shooting splits can get back to normal. And if Zion Williamson can, you know, be more of the those that six-game stretch in the middle of the season rather than, you know, the rest of the season, which is kind of like, kind of a weird thing to say because, what well, he's played 23 games. So it's like, yeah, or he's played 20 games. Yeah, if you could play more like that one six-game stretch rather than, you know, the other 14 games, which was like, you know, 70% of the year. But we know he can do it. He's been doing it before. But I wanted to get to the discourse around Zion because Zion is someone who, you know, when he came into the league, people had concerns about his weight and his health. Um, he's had health problems uh, throughout his entire career. Like, he's already missed, like, uh five games this season and it's a pretty early in the year at this rate he'll you know we'll see if he qualifies for the awards at the end not that i think he'd win one playing it the way he's played so far but he has to play at least 65 games um and people have always talked about his weight and things like that and then people lately have been like going really crazy with him making fun of him for like him being fat or him being out of shape blah 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 and i mean maybe he is out of shape i don't know it's hard it's hard to tell when an nba player is out of shape 
Like, because again, he's still putting up 23 points on 58% from the field. It's hard to really like put up numbers like that if you're like just completely out of shape. Um, is he out of shape for Zion standards? Maybe or for NBA standards, I guess. It's possible. But I don't like the way people talk about his weight and his health, the way people make fun of injuries, all that kind of stuff. Um, I just think it's not fair to Zion. Like, you want to criticize his play on the court. We don't want to criticize the things off the court. Um, we don't know what's going on off the court. I don't know how hard he works. I don't know if he's you know, if he's just muscly, I don't know if he's just, like, eating beignets, like, we don't, we don't know, so I don't want to just assume that kind of stuff, so I don't like hearing the way they talk about Zion, um, the media talks a lot about, about a lot of players, they just pick random players to pick on, and they just, you know, say shit that has no, no real, um, there's no real proof there, just, you know, saying bullshit to say bullshit, and make fun of players for things that are not in their control, or things that are not, you know, their on-court performance, if a player plays bad, cool, you can roast that all you want, they played bad, right, that's, that's the whole, that's the whole point of having the, you know, the sports media, right, you know, but it's not like, oh man, look how fat he is, look at the way he walks up and down the court, or how his boobs jiggle, right, is that what I think someone said, like, that's ridiculous, so I, I hate that kind of stuff, and I, I feel bad for Zion, he doesn't deserve that, you know, he's one of the best players in the league, even in a down season, so I don't want to see that disrespect, um, so that was Zion, uh, another player who I think has gen- been generally disrespected, not this year, but is uh, Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert has been having a resurgent year this year after last year being uh, much worse than what we've known from him previously. Uh, he's the reason the Wolves have by far the best defense in the NBA right now. Um, actually, maybe not by far. They're about a point ahead of the Rockets for second. It's kind of surprising the Rockets are second. Uh, then Orlando is third, and uh, you know, then Boston, Cl- Clippers, Thunder, Lakers, Cavs, Grizzlies, Sixers. In case you wanted to know the whole top ten, I just happened to read them all. Um, but yeah, the Timberwolves have the best defense in the league, uh, in no small part due to Rudy Gobert. This is the first time in his career he's not playing with like four cones, because um, he has Jaden McDaniels on his team, he has Anthony Edwards on his team. Um, so that kind of makes up for you know Conley and Cat. You know, when you have those three defenders, like the team's defense is gonna be pretty good. And you know what? Because uh, I mean, Rudy Gobert alone like can really carry a defense. And he's just been awesome this year. He's averaging 13, uh, 12 rebounds, two and a half blocks, 61% from the field. I don't know if last year he was hurt or what, but like he just looks so much better this year. Um, like just def- on both ends, defensively and offensively. Uh, offensively, a lot of that is probably attributed to Mike Conley. I think he just had better chemistry than D'Lo had with him. But defensively, I, I don't know, man. Like the, the rebound numbers are up, the blocks are up, uh, all that stuff. So great for Rudy Gobert, great for the Timberwolves. Um, Carl Towns, after a slow start, also has been turning it on as of late. He's up to 22 points per game. Uh, the Wolves are the Wolves are legit, man. Their defense is serious. Uh, people are telling, saying they can, they're like a contender. They can be a conference finals team. Uh, I can definitely see them making the conference finals. I can't really see them getting further than that. I'd be, I'd be surprised if the Wolves made the finals or won a title. Like, and it's not, it's not because of Rudy Gobert or something like that. But it's that stupid narrative of, oh, Rudy Gobert is bad in the playoffs. Like, no, people just play small, and that would expose those Jazz teams in the playoffs. Is that going to work against the Timberwolves this year? It might. Again, it might be a legit weakness where Rudy Gobert, when you play small ball, right, because he can't he can't run out to the three-point line, be in the paint. He can't do all that. Like, people, most people can't do that, right? That's something like Anthony Davis can do, but most players can't do that. Um, we'll just have to see, right? Again, I believe in the defense, but I want to see how they counter small ball. I want to see how they guard the Nuggets. Um how to deal with, you know, other teams, the Lakers, things like that, so, or if they can beat, you know, whoever comes out of the East, Celtics, Bucks, I don't, I don't see them making the finals, um, it is early in the year, we'll see how, where the rest of the year goes, because right now they're kind of far and away, no, not far and away, but they're like a couple games ahead of the two seed, um, they have the fourth best net rating in the league, 18th best offense, first defense, we'll see where that goes, 
Uh, I would just be surprised. I don't know. I think Edwards would have to be really, really special in the playoffs. And Cat, they'd have to do a lot of scoring. Um, like it'd be, We need like 25 from Cat, 30 from Ant probably. Um, the defense has to stay legit. Um, you have to be able to play Rudy Gobert and Cat. Like if, if that lineup gets exposed, they're, they're probably done. Um, so again, I just I think it's like a hard path for them. I don't think because I don't think they have like a true superstar on the team, which also hurts. Mm-hmm. I know everyone was like talking about Ant and how he's going to take this big leap this year and he's going to be like a top ten player. And I, I had him ranked pretty high with you know the expectations going into the year. And he honestly just hasn't lived up to them. He's been basically the same as last year. Um, he's also been hurt in and out of the lineup. Like statistically, he's about the same as last year. He's still not a great playmaker. I think that still hurts. Uh, his off-ball defense also needs some work. Um, again, he's a great player, but he's still, you know, he's not at the level that people wanted to be at yet, at least. We'll see. He's still very young. I think he's 21 or 22. But I don't know. I'm not a Tim Rolls believer. And it's not to say that I think they're a fake team. I just don't think they can really win the title. Um, I still think the teams that can win the title are the same five teams that I said mm-hmm. earlier in the year. I said... Uh, like Celtics, Bucks, and then Nuggets, Lakers, Suns. I think those were the, the five teams where I thought if it wasn't one of those five, I'd be surprised. I still feel that way. Um, although the Bucks and Suns, you know, have some have some more question marks than I originally thought. Um, Boston, Denver, and the Lakers are basically what I thought they would be. Um, I know the Nuggets record isn't impressive, but Jamal Murray's been really injured. And Aussie hasn't been playing very well. Let's talk about that too as well. May, may as well. Uh, Jamal Murray... He gets a lot of hype every time he has a good playoff run. After 2020, he was awesome in the playoffs. We're like, oh, you know, he's going to be an all-star on BA, blah, 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 blah. And then he comes into the year and he averaged, I think, probably like 18 points per game. Um, Let me check just to be sure something up. But he came into the year and he averaged after in 2021. It was 21. It was a career high uh, at that time. It's still a career high. 21 points per game on 48, 41, 87 splits. So he's pretty good. Uh, And then he tore his ACL. Um, later on in the year, obviously missed a year last year, you know, was his first year off of ACL. So people thought, okay, he just had this awesome playoff run. He's going to come in this year, you know, a full, over a full year removed from the ACL. And he's averaging 18 points per game on 46, 45, 90 splits. He hasn't scored more than 23 points in the game this year, I think. So again, all this all NBA, all-star, Jamal Murray's top 20 player talks. It has to stop. It just has to stop. Um, every year this happens. Jamal Murray gets overhyped because he gets hot for, like, playoffs. Again, Jamal Murray, when you like I said last year, when you look at the playoff run, it was really just, like, a five-game stretch in there. It was more like the last game of the Sun Series. And outside of that, he was, like, slightly above regular season Jamal Murray. It was, like, 22 points per game. The other, like, 12 games or 14, because what, they played, they went 16-4. and four. Um, Yeah, I think they went 16-4. and four. So because they went 16-4, and four, that was 20 games, and he had like a good like five games. So the other 15 games, he was at like 22 points per game or 23 points per game, which is cool. But like it was those five games where he was like 33 points per game, and he outplayed like, you know, any guard ever in the conference finals, basically. Um, it was one of the best, like hottest shooting performances you'll ever see. So, and for some reason, Jamal Murray gets way more credit for like that, those like five, six games than the other like 90 games he'll play where he averages about 20 a game. Um, on mediocre efficiency with his mediocre defense. Um, I just think he's very overrated. Like, and he, he's going to, for the Nuggets to win the title again, he's going to have to be playoff Jamal Murray. Like, what, like, you know, like the 25 plus point per game guy, um, all that stuff. And this year, like, he hasn't been that. The whole the whole team as a regular season has been disappointing, to be honest. I know their record is okay. Considering the injuries and stuff, it's fine. They're 16 and 9. Oh, they just won the other day, huh? Um, they were like 14 and nine. I guess they just won two in a row. 16 and nine. Uh, Jokic has gotten ejected a couple times wrongfully. Uh, his efficiency is way down. Jokic, he had a couple bad games in a row, but he's still 27, 13 and nine. 
Like, I mean, I worried about them as a contender. Not really. Um, I still, like, you know, they're still, you know, one of those top five teams, I think. Um, like, if they won the title, it wouldn't shock me at all. But the way they're playing right now, right? If Jamal Murray plays like this in the playoffs, and Jokic is playing like this as well, where he's shooting only about 50% from the field, you know, not making threes, that stuff, like, they're not winning the title like that. Straight up. That's just not going to happen. Um, Jamal Murray has to be better. Nikola Jokic has to be better. Um, Jamal has to be healthier, right? He's already missed, what, they played 23 games. He's already missed 12 games. Like, again, he's he's borderline. He's going. He's not going to qualify for any All-NBA or anything. And again, he's not going to play like that either. People were saying he's going to be a first-time All-Star, All-NBA, all that stuff. And again, I was saying this all summer long. I was like, no. Like, it's possible, but no. Um, because that's not who Jamal Murray's ever been. Like, he's, what, 27 years old at this point? He was drafted in 2016. He's 26 years old this year. I think he turns 27, like, later in the year. But it's this is his age 26 year. Like, you know, people don't generally take leaps then. I just think, you know, he's not a super consistent player. He's happened to get hot in the playoffs a couple of times. So people give him, like, all this credit for being, like, a great playoff player. And maybe he is. Maybe he'll always get hot in the playoffs. But in a regular season, he has never proven to be a great regular season player. And I'm never going to just give him that benefit of the doubt until he proves it. So... I'm not a regular season Jamal Murray believer. We'll see what he does this year in the playoffs. Um, but I, I'm tired of people pretending that Jamal Murray like, is someone who he's not. It's like, oh, he was ranked above players like Trey Young, De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton. Um, like, I saw him ranked as high as like 15th, 16th on lists. I had him 37. And I still, I feel pretty good about 37. You know, although, again, he has to keep playing well in the playoffs for that to keep up. Because the way he's running in a regular season, like, he's not a top 50 player. But I believe in the playoffs will be better than this. Um, but, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. Um, how many minutes am I at right now? Uh, 35 minutes. We got time for more stuff. Uh, another team I want to talk about was the Bulls. Um, so, J- Zach Levine, it was announced, uh, I think sometime last week, maybe the week before, that he's going to be out for a few weeks. Um, and people were like, oh, like, the Bulls are tanking. Like, he'll be back like right before the trade deadline. They'll just trade him. And honestly, I'd be surprised if Levine played another game for the Bulls. Um, partially because they've been much better without him. Kobe White's emergence has been great for them. Like, they finally let Kobe White get all those minutes and shots, and he's having a career year. Ooh, on the year, 17 points per game, 45, 43, 86 splits, right? And again, Levine's only averaging 21 on much worse shooting efficiency. So there's a very good argument you can make Kobe White's been better than Zach Levine. I know all the Kobe White believers are, you know, really hyped right now, and they got him for cheap. It's like three years, $13 million a year. Um, and he's playing like, you know, borderline all-star level lately. If we look at his game since Levine went out, Levine, when did he, when did he go out for the year or not for the year, but ba- for the bulls, basically for the year. Cause he's not coming back. Um, uh, his last game was November. 20th. Oh my God. What is that? What is that ad? Jesus. Ah, basketball reference is so annoying. Anyway, Levine since man, I hate, I hate vocal ads. That's so annoying. Uh, I should edit that out, but I won't anyway. So, since November 28th, honestly, he's been good since November 20th. Since November 20th, 23 points per game on 51, 53, 91 splits. Now, the from the three-point line, averaging five made threes per game, that's not sustainable, obviously. That's insane. But still, 23 points per game is 23 points per game. Uh, he's just been awesome. He scored 20 or more in all but three of these games. He, or he had Two of them were 19. So, he's had 19 or more in all but one in a 14-point performance where he still shot efficiently um he just didn't shoot that much and i lost to toronto this is before levine went out since levine went out it's been 23 31 19 24 33 27 um just crazy stuff yeah i think levine's out of there i think derozan's out of there too 
Um, but Levine's definitely out of there. You know, he has problems with Billy Donovan and all that stuff. So he's definitely going to get traded. And I saw, I read somewhere that the Bulls are actually trying to buy now. Like, they don't want to trade Caruso. Like, they want to trade Levine and maybe DeRozan because, like, he's expiring. But they want to keep Caruso and they want to, you know, try to uh, get themselves into the playoff picture. Why? Why? Y'all are not a good team. Just blow it up. Tank for a couple years. Do a rebuild. These teams that refuse to rebuild, like the Wizards were for, like, a half a decade, are so ridiculous, man. Like, you're not going anywhere. You have all these mediocre players. Just trade them to teams that could actually use them. Start from scratch. And that's how you get, you know, good young players on the roster for cheap, too. Like, overpaying these mediocre players just to not go anywhere is not doing anything for you. So I hate seeing teams act like this. Like, the Bulls just, it's bad management. Jerry Reinsdorf is a shitty owner. Um, he got lucky with Michael Jordan. But he was he's been shitty for the White Sox and he's been shitty for the Bulls. Um, you know, just being cheap and not refusing and refusing to like actually like tank and rebuild. Because like when was last time the Bulls were like really bad? Like let's be honest for a second. Let's look at a list of Chicago Bulls seasons. Since the Derrick Rose era, right? Because they were obviously really bad post Michael and until Derrick Rose. But since the uh Derrick Rose era, when were they really bad and actually got to try to rebuild? Right? Because here's what happened. In 2011, Derrick Rose breaks out, they're the number one seed. In 2011 and in 2012, 2013 in terms of ACL, but they still have Noah, Luol Deng, Jimmy Butler. So they won 45 games, 48 games, 50 games. So they were good for uh, through 2015. 2016 was a down year. They almost made the playoffs, but again, they still had Jimmy Butler. 2017, the last Jimmy Butler year, they make the playoffs, almost beat the Celtics. That's the the Dwayne Wade, Rondo, Butler year, weird year. They trade Jimmy Butler. So okay, they were actually really bad. So they traded Jimmy Butler. They blew it up, and they were terrible. In 2018, they won 27 games. In 2019, they won 22 games. And in 2020, they were bad, but they weren't terrible. They won 22 games in a shortened season. It's about 30 wins in a regular season. Which, again, I guess that's still pretty bad. Um, So those three years, they were really bad. And what did they get out of that? In 2018, they drafted, I want to say, Wendell Carter. In 2019, they in 2020, they drafted Patrick Williams. And in 2019, they drafted Kobe White. Yes. So, yeah, it was Wendell Carter, Kobe White, Patrick Williams. Like, they were bad, but they weren't that bad. It was, like, 8 to 10th pick. Again, they were like the Wizards, like the Wizards, where you're getting bad luck in the lottery, and you're also not drafting super well. So you end up with, like, these, like, you know, mediocre... Wendell Carter and Kobe White are pretty good. Patrick Williams, like, it's not looking great. It's not looking great. Uh, And then they were, you know, almost 500 in 2021. They won 31 out of 72 games. So, you know, they weren't they weren't that bad where they were going to get a great pick. 2022, they were good most of the year. Lonzo gets hurt. They lose in the first round. And then last year, they were almost 500. Again, they were fighting for a playoff spot. Didn't get it. Um, where, again, Lonzo was hurt. And this year, again, they suck. They're 9-16. and um, I think they've been better since Levine went out. But, like, they're still bad. Like, Levine went, again, he went out on the 28th. Um, and they were 5-14. and And they have gone 4-2 and since. They actually won four in a row and then lost the last two. Lost in overtime to the Bucks and then lost to the Nuggets uh, without Jokic on the second night of a back-to-back in a close L. And now they have Miami, Miami, Philly, Los Angeles as their next four games. Wouldn't shock me if they lose all four of those, uh, especially because the Miami, both Miami games and the Philly game are on the road. Um, and the Lakers is the first night of a back-to-back where then they face the Spurs, which, again, that's probably a win. They'll probably beat the Spurs, but, again, second night of a back-to-back, Spurs, you know, they, in theory, they have potential, right? Just because Wemby and... I mean, they almost beat the Lakers last night. I know LeBron wasn't playing, but... It's not impo- they're not the Pistons, right? It's not impossible for them to get a win. Um, but I wouldn't bet on it. So, yeah, the Bulls might have a four-game losing streak incoming. Um, again, I think this is just like this fake copium. Like, oh, we can, you know, trade Levine and we can be a play. No, no, Bulls, just stop. Just give it up. Just give it up, please. 
Um, speaking of teams that have given it up, this is the last thing I want to talk about today. Uh, the Pistons, Wizards, and Spurs. Um, this might be the worst trio of NBA teams I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, there's been worse teams than these teams individually. There's never been a season I can remember that has three teams that are all this bad. If you look at the net ratings of the teams this year, if you go from the best Philadelphia at plus 9.2 to the 27th minus 8.4 Utah Jazz, those are all pretty normal numbers. Uh, I think these top two, three teams or whatever, Philly, Boston, OKC are all at plus 7.5 or better. That'll probably go down a little bit, but regardless, like Utah being a minus 8.4, that's pretty normal for like the worst team in the league, but it's not the worst team in the league because Detroit, Washington, and San Antonio are a combined this year have eight wins and 62 losses, and there are minus 10.5, minus 10.7, and minus 11.2. The Spurs, I think, have lost 18 games in a row. The Wizards have lost only like five or six games in a row because they just beat the Pistons. And then the Pistons have lost 21 games in a row. And these teams have lost, I think, their last 55 games that weren't against each other. Right, in a row, like in a row. The Wizards beat the Pistons, but besides that game, the Wizards, Pistons, and Spurs have lost their last combined like 55 games. It's been insane. It's so bad how bad they are. Like, I've never seen anything like this. Three teams that all could conceivably, again, if there wasn't that Wizards-Pistons game, they could all be on like 20-game losing streaks, all of them. Uh, The Spurs are almost there. The Pistons are approaching the, the loss record. The record is 26. If you look at the Pistons' schedule... Right, they would need to lose six more games in a row. Five to tie it, six to beat it. Here are their next six games. At Philadelphia tomorrow, that's an L. At Milwaukee on Saturday, that's an L. At Atlanta on Monday, that's an L. Home for home for Utah. That's that's their only chance. I'm gonna be honest. If they lose that game, they will be at 25 straight losses. And then they have Brooklyn in New York, and then Brooklyn at home. Those are probably both losses. That's a pretty good team. Again, then they have Boston in Boston, Toronto at home, they're at Houston, at Utah, at Golden State. Again, like, where's the win? They're home for the Spurs on January 10th? Like, maybe? I just, they're just, ah, I mean, they did almost beat the Knicks, right? It's not like they, the Pistons actually have the best net rating out of these bat, three really bad teams, despite they're having the least wins. They're only, quote-unquote, only minus 10.5. So they're really bad, but, like, there's been games where they've had a chance to win. Um... Like, the Grizzlies game, you know, the fourth quarter, Desmond Bain went off and they lost. They had a chance to win that game before then. Cleveland, that that was like, I think the game was like almost tied in the last five. Like, that was a really close game in the last few minutes. The Pistons and the Knicks, that was also a very close game in the last few minutes. Um, Denver Nuggets, they only beat them by four. So, again, they've been in some of these games. Uh, again, the Hawks, they also almost beat. So, there's, again, they've been had a couple of close games here and there. So, th- they're not a team that's like, oh, there's no way they're going to win. But, like, you look at these next few games and, like, unless it's that Jazz game, I'd be really surprised if they won any of them. I think I think the wins, the loss, the consecutive loss record might be theirs. Um, and, again, Washington, they're, they're just a disaster. They only have one center on the roster. The biggest problem is they have one center on the roster, and he's hurt all the time, Daniel Gafford. He's also not very good. And then when he's not playing, they're completely worthless. When he's playing, they're just worthless. And Jordan Poole's also not playing well. So, you know, that's – and he takes a lot of shots for them. So it's tough. They play no defense at all. Um, and then their offense obviously isn't great. I mean, it's Tyus Jones, Jordan Poole, Denny Avdia, Kyle Kuzma, Daniel Gafford. That's their, their starting five. And then they got Bilal Kulabali off the bench, the rookie. He's nice. But, like, it's not a good team. And then the Spurs, it's like Wemby and last year's team. When last year's team was trash. So, again, they, they've almost had a few wins here and there just because off Wemby's back. They beat the Suns off of Wemby. That was their last win early in November. 
Um, they almost beat the Lakers last night off of, you know, Wemby's greatness, but it's tough for them, man. It's just tough. So this is a really, really bad trio. Again, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. I know in 2016, if we go to 2016 NBA standings, that was a really bad year um, for tanking purposes. Uh, we look at the East. Again, it's usually in the Eastern Conference. We had the Sixers who went 10-72, and 72, and then in the West, I think the Lakers were also really bad. The Lakers were 17-65, and 65, and then the third worst team was the 21-61 and 61 Nets. So that's uh, how many wins combined between those three teams. 21 plus 27. 48 wins over in the for the three worst teams. And the Pistons, Wizards, and Spurs right now are on pace to combine for how many wins? Let's take a look. They're on pace for... Because let's see. They have 2, 3, and 3. And they've played 24, 23, and 23 games. Let's do some quick maths here. The Pistons have won 2 out of 24... That's 8% times 82. They're on pace for 7 wins. The Wizards are on pace for 11 wins. And the Spurs are on pace for 11 wins. So 11 plus 11 plus 7. They would be at 29 combined wins. That's almost half of the 2016 48 wins. And again, I don't know if that's the record. That's just a year that came to mind. I know the Sixers were horrible. Um, the record for least wins in a year is 9. Um, the Pistons started off 2-1. and one. If they end up with fewer than 9 wins, that would be incredible. So that's something I'm definitely keeping an eye on. And it's not even like a great draft. Like, who are they even drafting this year? There's no Wembanyama. So, bad year to be absolutely awful. Um, and yet, here they are. You know, like Will Hardy said, it's a masterpiece of dog shit. Um, I'll see you guys again next Thursday for next week's On The Trough podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Peace.